0: You're listening to The Real 1100 AM, Atlanta's Real Sports and Entertainment Talk Radio.
1: Yeah, I'm on L. We is live. We is live. Okay. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 it's Monday. Thank everybody for joining us right here on Influencer Radio. This is Kevin C. Pride, your host, along with Brian Brown. The we not it. It. You, you,
2: we're you, not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it. You Know it. what? I don't. I don't even. Why he... you gotta look over here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need a nickname. I you don't go, need I, a nickname? I don't need a nickname. You know what? I was listening. I was doing some edumacation. You was doing some edumacation? Yep. I was listening to Kevin Hart.
1: You was listening to Kevin Hart? Yeah.
2: He was talking about his first, his first nickname. He was like, you know what? Somebody, somebody wise tell him, why you need a nickname? Think about all the most famous people, right? Okay. That, that really, that are stars, right? They, okay. got, they got nicknames. That's true. Think about it. They, they just use their whole name. Just their government name. The, just a whole government night. They whole government name. Well, after that show,
1: <laughs> we talked about Equifax so bad, I don't want y'all to know my government night. <laughs> but no, thank y'all so much for joining us right here on Influencer Radio. It is Monday. It's time to set the tone. It is time to set the tone for the week. So today, we are talking about walking in purpose. Mm. Walking in purpose. And it's a beautiful time to have this discussion because our purpose has been going on now for 365 days. We are celebrating our birthday. Thank you, Facebook, for, for reminding us today that we are celebrating our birthday today.
2: Yes, we are celebrating our birthday. We've been here one year in business. Yes. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, a lot of ups and downs. Yes. And honestly, I mean, statistically... A lot of of businesses don't make it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But going back to what you are saying, it's it's about purpose. And and lately, we've been interviewing a lot of guests, and they talk about, you know, success. Mm -hmm. Do you you just want to be a successful person or have a successful business? Or do you want to live a life of significance? Wow. Right. Wow. So, and I think that's kind of what it is because in the beginning, when we got into this business, I mean, of course, we wanted to be successful, make money, and I things like that. I still want to be successful. Just, <laughs> <laughs> but at a certain point, it's like you know, living a life of significance, and sometimes you get, you kind of get thrusted into that as you continue to have success. That's true. You get thrusted in that because now it's like you know, we were looking for the connect, okay, and now we have become the, the connect. connect right? <laughs> I like that. So I like that. So it's about how do I, as I continue to rise, are we as we continue to rise, what what do we do to influence and and everyone everyone else around us? That's true. And
1: just like our tagline says, you have to influence your world. Yeah, and influencing your world, not necessarily the whole world. It's just influencing the people that's around you and influence <laughs> them to walk in their purpose. So today. I would like to take the conversation to how do we start to work walking our purpose because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people out there that's going to these jobs whether they're making good money whether they're making little money but it's a lot of people that's just unhappy out there and and a lot of times and it's so funny so many people say this you mm-hmm. know if you wake up every day and you are dreading that alarm clock mm-hmm. and you're not jumping out that bed and you're not excited to go do what you what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. maybe it's time to, to to consider doing something else yeah. And I know it's a very, very scary process to, you know, get out here and, and start to, you know, jump into new things and, and start new careers or either uh, just start to do your own thing. I think the biggest thing for me when I finally decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to go out here and do my own thing, I think the biggest thing was trying to – going out there and put myself out there would people really like my work. Because I started out, you know, just doing graphic design. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I think the, the biggest – the, the biggest thing that ever happened to me was the first $50 I made. I created a flyer for somebody, and they asked to pay me $50 for it. And I think that was, like, one of the most exciting, one of the biggest things that ever happened to me. And that was one of the things that really helped me start to get out there and really start to say, oh, on, I can do this. You know? So you got to get out there and start testing the market. And you got to get out there and, and put yourself out there. I mean, a lot of times we so worried the whole world's going to laugh at me and all this type of stuff. But it's not really about the whole world laughing at you. Mm-hmm. It's about you. It's about how you feel about yourself. It's about that, that self-esteem. It's about that, that, that thing that's inside of you. You know what I'm saying? We can call it a dream. You can call it passion. You can call it spirit. You can call it God. You know, it's about that thing that's inside of you. And when you learn how to take that thing that's inside of you and release that to the world and open it up to the world and really invite the world to see, hey, this Kevin C. Pride. This is who I am
2: mm-hmm.
1: right here on Influencer Radio. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when life really starts to change.
2: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And 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 you ask questions like how how do I, you know, get started? What do I do to like, you know, you know, start my purpose or f- do do something more fulfilling, right? And I and I think it goes back to what is it that you want to do? So, it's true. right? So some people be like, "Well, you know what? I want to play in the NBA." <laughs> and I'm like, "4 foot 8." <laughs> not saying it's not impossible. It's I just think- improbable, you know? You know, I, I think everybody's got that 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 big
1: overarching thing because like, I wanted to play in the NBA too. But <laughs> <laughs> I got asthma and I can't run back and forth down the court. But, no, I think the biggest thing about it is I think everybody knows inside, you know, what they want to do. And I think a lot of times, you know, being able to fry chicken, right, mm-hmm. better than anybody else, don't seem like a skill. Like me, I was like, what's my skill? I'm good at talking. I'm good at running my mouth. You know what I'm Mm. saying? But what's the skill in that? And I'm on radio. So, you know what I'm saying? It's (laughs) the perfect place for it. I had no idea. But it's about finding that thing that really gives you happiness and joy. Because at the end of the day, when you sit down with it, for us, or for me, when I sit down with a business owner that's in trouble or that's kind of underwater or trying to figure out how do i grow this thing or how do I save my business how do I let more people know about what I'm doing the thing that's most powerful to me is when you're able to b- really provide that solution to them mm-hmm. and you sit down and the light starts to come on the business starts to flourish and next thing you know they got customers walking through the door and it's it's starting to overload them you know that's the thing that really does it for me mm-hmm. it's being able to help the businesses don't even roll like the checks I like the checks. <laughs> I do like the checks. But I think everybody inside of them has some type of passion or something they want to give to the world. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's not even entrepreneurship. Yeah. Sometimes it's through a job. Sometimes it's through a different opportunity. Sometimes it might be a nonprofit that's helping entrepreneurs raise money to, to do what they want to do.
2: Absolutely. You don't have to have, you don't have, to have your own business or be entrepreneur to to help people you could be an entrepreneur and work within organizations to you know use their power and their leverage to take somebody else to another level that's true like it doesn't have to just be be about that but i think the biggest thing for you whether you, whatever plan you got like my plan was i wanted to go work for nike right okay so so what was what you gotta have a plan so what, what is your plan going to be if that's what your dream is make a plan for it, plan out your life. Like, all right, this is, this is what, okay, I want to, I want to go work here. So what am I going to do here? Is my, is a job that I want to do even something that is available or what's next? Like if I go to school, if you're in college right now, are you majoring in something that's going to be in need, you know, when you graduate?
1: And we got to, we got to get up and start living life on purpose though. Cause I think that's the the biggest thing is like so many people, thank you. (laughs) So many people, that's the agreement bell for y'all that don't know. That means I am right, okay? <laughs> <laughs> really like, oh, uh, is a, I'm clearly right. Is a, the food ready? <laughs> I know, right? But no, you gotta wake up and, and start to live your life on purpose. Because I think so many people live this reactionary life. Mm-hmm. You know, I just react to what's happening, I'm going with the flow and this type of stuff. But if you truly wanna walk in your purpose, you gotta get up every day and decide this is what I'm about to do. Mm-hmm. Whether you're going to start a bakery, whether you're going to start a chicken joint, whether you're going to start, you know, influence the 365, you have to wake up with some type of plan and some type of determination. Today I'm going to move this needle, whether I'm going to move it an inch, a centimeter, or what. But today I'm going to do something that's going to guide me towards the life that I want.
2: I, I, I think that's so true. I mean, you go back and you want to get biblical about it. <laughs> Faith without works is dead. That's true. Right? So that means when your mind and your body— and all your actions align with your thoughts, things start to happen. Just thing about this thing about the su- the success that we've had is about us working up and being purposeful about every action, every everything that we do, every thought we have is intentional. Exactly. Right? So when you are on that level, everything starts to line up to help to help help get you where you want to be. Oh yeah. And that's what and that's Powerful Like everything Like if you're gonna You have to walk the walk You have to w- walk the talk Talk the walk Everything You know No, No, walk, no walk, 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 but now what <laughs> you're
1: hitting on Because I, I, I think There's so many people out here Because you can go to YouTube And find all kind of motivation At this mm-hmm. point But I think there's so many people out here that's giving people misinformation Mm -hmm. or not even misinformation, they're just interpreting things wrong, like the law of attraction, for instance. Everybody wants to say, well, you think about it, it's gonna happen. (laughs) That's not really how it works. Okay, let me know. You break cheeseburger right now. I'm thinking about cheeseburger. This this is (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But the thing is this, manifestation and the law of attraction and this type of stuff, you have to thoughts dictate words. Mm -hmm. Words dictate action. Action dictates results. And that's how you have to start to think about it. When you're having these thoughts going through your mind, you got to start to speak your truth. When you start to speak that truth, then you start to change the actions that you're having. And as you start to change those actions, those actions are Mm -hmm. what's going to move the needle. Not what you're thinking about, Mm -hmm. okay? (laughs) Because you can think about that cheeseburger all you want to. (laughs) Trust me. It's going to have to take my my young assistant out here to go get it for you before you (laughs) finally get that cheeseburger. So it's that action of saying, hey, bring me a cheeseburger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so, I mean. It's Monday <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a busy Monday We have been in our purpose today
2: Man, I feel like that's every day Even oh, on the man. days that we, we not even intend. I mean, I think sometimes It's, you, it's not even you do, At a certain point, you don't even think about it anymore It just happens Exactly. Like you just You get into a mode of just for Once you exercise It's a muscle that's Once true. you work it out and you exercise it It just becomes a habit And your habits will determine how far you go in life. That's true. If you got bad habits, man. But
1: people have to understand (laughs) it's a choice. Yeah. You have to get them to decide. You know, a lot of us get these good-paying jobs and this type of stuff, and we get used to that security. I was that same way. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a great-paying job. I was VP of Mm -hmm. marketing at a big-time path lab and all this type of stuff. Now, fortunately for me, that got taken away. (laughs) (laughs) But it forced me to see things. It was either this is my downfall or this is my breakthrough. And luckily, I chose to see it as my breakthrough. Now, when I made this decision, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to go out here and do what I want to do in life and nobody else is going to dictate what I'm going to do, nothing changed outside of me at first. And I think this is the part that most people don't tell people. When you first make up your mind and you make that decision, the environment is not what changes. It's you that changes. And as you start to change and your actions start to change, then that environment starts to change. Because my life today, Looks a lot different than it did ten years ago, okay. And then it's so funny. I went home. <laughs> I went home to Montgomery, Alabama this weekend, and seeing where I came from, because I I didn't come from great, you know, beginnings. I don't come from a, a rich family. I come from very humble beginnings, as they say. You know, I came from the hood, but <laughs> it's quite all right. I got my education. I moved on, but. The biggest thing is when you start to really look back and see how far you've come and and you really start to see how, you know, everything in your life has been molding you and pushing you to this moment. And now that this moment is here trying to live through this moment and is trying to, you know, go from day to day. But it always starts with that first decision. It starts with that first thought. It it starts with that first intent of saying, hey, I'm going to do this no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what comes at me. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to go after that job that I want. I'm going to get that promotion. You know, I think I and I think we
2: can't preach that enough to people. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is about your thoughts and your actions and it's about because the reason why you got to put that plan together cuz we keep talking about the moment, right? Yeah. When the moment happens, right? But if you're not prepared for that moment, is it gonna be wasted, oh yeah, you ain't you're not ready, oh yeah, you know so it's like it's about it's about doing the right things to help prepare yourself when the moment comes when your opportunity comes when you hear that that's true when you hear that knock, then you're ready to t- to really capitalize on it, and so it's a, it's important to when you dis- make up your mind, you decide it, you decide that you're gonna whatever you decide that you're gonna do. For, you know, for positive, yeah. that, you know, you start to prepare yourself for that moment, for that opportunity, start to build on that stuff, start to build your foundation, because as you get more of, a, of more success, a lot of it's going to come down on you. There's so a thing about how, how busy our lives are compared oh to God. a year ago, right? <laughs> compared to a year ago, but we had the opportunity to really build on our foundation, and so now we got a strong foundation, and when everything gets on top of us, we built that foundation to strong, and so we can handle it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad we built a good concrete foundation because now all those little seeds that we, we threw down in the ground and we started to water and we put the soil on it, all that, now all this stuff started to flourish all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's becoming it's like super yeah. overwhelming. But it is fun. It is nothing like the ride that we on right now. I gotta I gotta give it to you. Like the ups and the downs and all that type of stuff. I don't like the downs, but you know, all of it kind of leads you in that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost like going through a daily test. And that's, I think that's another thing that, you know, you have to talk to people about. And unfortunately, we don't have long to talk about this, but, you know, one of the other things that you have to t- talk to people about is the adversity because mm-hmm. adversity is just training. And a lot of people, I think, they don't look at it that way because it's just like when you're playing a video game and when you go to school, right? Mm-hmm. You start off, everything all easy, mm-hmm. 2 plus 2, 3 plus 4, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Then you got to start to move them levels up. And as you move up them levels, every time you move a level, you're going to get a test. And a lot of times when that adversity hits, that's that test. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. when you pass the test, you're able to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Even when you're playing video games, you got to fight the
2: boss. Exactly. And go ahead. No, but I was going to, you know, uh, I know we got almost going to our first break, but something that just resonated with me with me for anybody that's, that's on the cusp or even thinking about whatever you want to do, found that dream or getting that, I heard this week and Kevin Hart said, you gotta get, You got to be okay with not being afraid to be afraid. Wow. I stopped doing it a long time ago. Exactly. We
1: got a special guest
2: today. uh, Living legend. Oh, my God. She's a history maker. I mean,
1: history right in the building. And she walking in her purpose. Walking. In her purpose. She Matter of fact. In red She She ain't walking in her purpose. She running in her purpose. (laughs) So, y'all stay tuned with us today. Right after the break, we coming back. We got a very, very special historic episode of Influencer Radio right here on The Real 1100 AM. Thank you so much for tuning in.
2: premium liquor a real taste of the islands remember to shake Shake, sip sip, and say ooh wee real rums Real fruits, fruits, real spices, fruits. really, really smooth. smooth. Be sure to check out our website at www.caribbeansmooth.com. Caribbeansmooth.com.
3: The sun's out and vacation mode is on. Get your thrills and chills at Lake Winnipesoka and splash-tacular fun at Sokia Water Park, where there's excitement for everyone and special discounts almost every day. Let the whole family cool off in the refreshing fun of Sokia Water Park. Splash down on the Winnie Five Hundred racing slides and float along the crazy river, receive an adrenaline rush on the ozone 14-story freefall or the world-famous Cannonball Roller Coaster. Kitty rides bring endless giggles, and family attractions create fun for every age. Don't forget your sweet tooth. You'll need it to complement your powdered sugar smile from our legendary funnel cakes. So what are you waiting for? Put down your phones and video games, gather your family and friends, and upgrade your summer fun to Lake Winnie. Memories are timeless, and the excitement is endless. Make this summer one they will always remember at Lake Winnipesoka, the South's favorite family amusement park. Visit LakeWinnie.com for more information.
0: You're listening to The Real 1100 AM, Atlanta's Real Sports and Entertainment Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you are now back with Influencer Radio right here. I'm your host, Kevin C. Pride with Brian Brown. And now is a very special time on our show. This is interview time, all right? (laughs) This is where we get to sit down with some of the top people out here in the business world and get to hear their story. Today, we have a very, very exciting story for you. This woman is the first, the first, Mm -hmm. the first, the first. African-American female to trade on the New York Stock Exchange floor. She is considered to be the belle of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And she's walking in her purpose because she's helping business owners
2: to get the finances they need to grow their businesses. She's just just using her purpose and walking in a life of significance. A life of significance. Miss Martina Edwards, how are you doing today?
0: I'm fantastic, guys. How are y'all?
1: We are doing good. We
0: know Kevin's hot.
1: Yes. <laughs> hey. Everybody thank y'all so much. Everybody come on the show and, and just admire how hot I am. So that is a beautiful because thing. Thank sweating. y'all so much.
0: <laughs>
2: She's like, no, you sweating
0: down. Do I make you nervous? <laughs> just a little bit, I ain't gonna say.
1: So Miss Bell of Wall Street, how are you doing today?
0: I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, we are so happy to have you, and we're going to pick your brain. We're going to get some stock tips. I'm going to get me some new ticker symbols that I can make some money <laughs> off of. But we really want to talk to you and, and, and tell our audience all about your backstory and tell us, you know, what it was like. Because you're from Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. You went to school at Tuskegee, and then you ended up in New York. That is that is major mm-hmm. because I, I think a lot of us from Alabama are still somewhere around here in the southeast region and this type of thing. So tell us what's that like to come from the environment of Montgomery to be in New York, such a vast, diverse city and all this type of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, let me let me, let me take it back even further. Mm-hmm. My Because I, I, I love to acknowledge the fact that I came from humble beginnings as well, and I grew up in rural Alabama. So okay. I think the first nine years of my life living in a small town that had a population of today, like 400 people, right? And so it was a cluster of small towns. Um, I lived in, my grandparents lived one town over, my other grandparents lived in one town over. So um, it's, I guess, probably even more significant because I came from that type of background. I lived in a two-bedroom mobile home growing up. So I had, you know, it was a stark contrast for me going from that to Wall Street, right? And what I saw in terms of working on the Florida New York Stock Exchange but even still like you said I I went to Tuskegee was a finance major so I will say it's not that surprising for someone <laughs> to graduate from Tuskegee and go on to do great things but to go to the New York in 2001 um, I started working on the Florida New York Stock Exchange my first year uh, I was an analyst got promoted the second year to an associate third year got promoted to a VP and um, I became a historical first for Merrill Lynch, right? Um, I had interned with Merrill, and I worked for Merrill on the floor of the exchange. And sometimes people get confused about that. But um, I knew that I was a historical first for them. And I would say it was in 2017 when Lauren Simmons, um, who was a second uh, black female to grace the floor of the exchange 13 years later, came out and um, got a lot of coverage for being the second. And it dawned on me, like, wait a second. Oh, my goodness. You know, is it possible— that I was the first in the history of the exchange. And so Atlanta Business Journal, I'm thankful, broke an article on that a couple of months ago to really help to, to share that story.
1: Wow. Wow. Now, now you have a very, 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 very long bio. Tell us, what is it, how do you go from Tuskegee and Finance to a company like Merrill Lynch and, and getting on, the, on that stock exchange floor? Like, What's the, the the process to do that? Because a lot of people, you know, they go and they do these internships and they don't really get, you know, very mm-hmm. far with it or either they just get an ordinary job. Like, what does it take to do that?
0: Well, I think you guys were talking about a little bit earlier about purpose and passion. And um, something I thought about when you were talking is that it's, people say, you know, did you get lucky? Well, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So you have to have been building for it all along. So throughout school, I was always involved in different activities. I was vice president of finance club, the next year president of finance club. So I learned about some of these opportunities and had a chance to get my my foot in the door to Wall Street because of an organization called SEO, which is Sponsors for Education Opportunity. And it was focused on uh, working with high-achieving individuals of color that came from at the undergraduate level and helping them to put them in internships um, on Wall Street and at law firms. So I did that program, and that's what really helped me get my foot in the door. But once I got on the internship, right, it was very competitive, um, and then I got a chance. I got the offer at the end of the summer. And uh, for some reason, I had a chance to visit the New York Stock Exchange, and my offer was for another division. And so I actually asked to go back to the exchange because it was this – Boisterous environment, and it definitely was obviously male dominated, but it was fast paced, it was action packed. The New York Stock Exchange today is still the largest global exchange for where buyers and sellers come together to trade stock in publicly traded companies. And um, it's $21 trillion by market capitalization today. So um, folks will say, Well, why is it significant that you are the first? And it's really, I have to liken it to the fact that if you think about, you mentioned sports earlier, the NFL. The NFL is an umbrella organization. So then the New York Stock Exchange had a bunch of different firms on, down there. So there's 32 teams in the NFL. Okay. And then there's specialized positions, right, like a quarterback role. Okay. So I was in a specialized position as a broker on the Florida New York Stock Exchange. So you can have the talent, but you may not always have the will to do the job. You may have the will, but you may not always have the talent. So if you disaggregate my talent from my tenacity, though you, like those two things together kind of helped to create that opportunity. But it was also my boss coming to me and saying, I believe you have the wherewithal to do this job. Wow. Right? And so, the, so, so Merrill Lynch, the stock exchange is, was an organization that pre-2006 was a privately traded, privately, private institution. Today it's publicly traded. So what that meant was it's a member organization, like a country club. Okay. And so it had 1,366 seats, members, wow. that's it. And so to, you had to be a member to trade. So there was a cost of admission. So when we talk about diversity and why there was a lack of access was because the cost to get into the exchange or the membership cost at that time was right around a million dollars. Okay. So Merrill Lynch owned seats. They owned about 35 seats and they basically made the investment on my behalf for me to, to trade on on behalf of Merrill Lynch on wow. the floor of the exchange. So that's why it's... Kind of a big deal when people ask. No, why. it's a big deal. You know? Ain't kind of. Yeah. It's so basically, what she just told
2: us, she's a first round draft pick. <laughs> I know, right? Drafted number one. I'm LeBron. The- okay.
0: <laughs> so, well, you know, because people will say, you know, what's the, you know, oh, I, I sent an order to my, my broker, and and I I'll send an order to my broker as well. That's a retail order, and you okay. might and I might say I'm going to buy a hundred shares of Apple, right, or something like that. Uh, and I'm not uh, advocating for Apple, but I'll say I'm buying 100 shares of a particular stock. I, I traded institutional order flow. So I might get an order for a million shares of stock. You know wow. Know? So that's okay. a difference. And then I I, w- I might work that order throughout the day, and I would get those orders several times throughout the day. So, so, so it, was, it was a lot of it, – it, it was the magnitude of the trades and the volume of the trades.
1: So the the New York Stock Exchange has always been kind of like a male-dominated thing, too. So were you one of the the first women to be around that arena, or was there a lot of women there? Because I know I know most of the time when I look at it on TV and I'm watching the, the business, I don't see dudes. a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: There's a lot of, there were not a lot of women then, and there's still um, really until Lauren. When Lauren came around, she was the only one on the floor at the time, the wow. only female. Period. When I was there, there were other women, but I was the only for Merrill Lynch, and I was the I was on the exchange for five years, and I was the only black female trader, um, stockbroker there for during that period of time as well. Um, and and the, the natural question I would ask is when I became a broker and I signed the book and it's a historical, historical thing and hopefully I'll be in archives somewhere, <laughs> is that someone else come before me and you know, they just didn't have the history and the, 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 you know, had been tracking it that way. And the exchange had been around for 200 plus years when I started Wow. The first, you know, there is record to show that the first woman to own a seat was in 1967, okay. and she paid like four sixty five four hundred sixty five thousand dollars at that time to for her membership to wow. trade.
2: Wow. Wow. So you, being in it's it's a fast paced environment. So like for for like people that you know you either seen it on t- TV or in the movies, like what is it like being right there on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's you, there's a level of energy. If you think about anything that you're good at, whether you know sports or you're going out and you have to speak, there's a. I always had a ball of energy inside of me, like okay, a little bit of a nervousness. Like pre-market trading when market opened up because information is moving so fast. And as a broker, you're out front making the risk measure decisions, and you have to make sure like eras are just. You have to be few and far between. Um, And if you do make them right, it's going to be a significant cost to the firm. Someone's going to get hit with it, right? So um, for me being there, it was just action-packed. I would tell my mom came down when I got the chance to sign the book when I became a broker. And for her and my family members, it was just craziness. But for me, it was organized chaos because there were, at the time, five trading rooms. So there are about 18 different posts of stocks. And they are shaped like a figure eight. Okay. And so as a broker, I was assigned to a particular post. So I was assigned to, let's like, say, post one, and I knew what room that was in. And that basically, that post had panels, and that panel, and every panel, was where a stock traded. So you knew if you were going to go trade GE or something, that it was at post one, panel two, okay, or something like that. And so every post had about eighty, sixty to 80, to a hundred or so stocks, depending on how liquid, um, how actively they traded. But it was it was a very, it was an interesting environment. I mean, there were times if you think. I was an Alabama, like just a girl from Alabama, mm-hmm. hitting New York. I had people come to me and say, "Oh man," I, a gentleman called me all the time. I, I didn't, you know, didn't feel slighted by. It. He called me Greenbow because of the Forrest Gump movie, right? Wow. So he'd be like, <laughs> "What's up, Greenbow?" Because it was just like people were surprised to see someone from Alabama, mm-hmm. and you know, you you, exactly. you you would get the the sometimes of a, oh, you know, I expected something different. Not sure what you expected. I worked with a number of CEO kids. Um, so I I want, can't say the name of the companies, but I work with at least three of them, um, from your e mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. stock you know mm-hmm. online okay. stock mm-hmm. trading mm-hmm. type companies to uh, big bulge bracket companies. And so everyone kept what, the main question I would get was like who who do you know who do you know how did you get here? And I'm like oh I interviewed. How did you get here? That was
1: that was always my question. Like, yeah, wow. how, uh, how did well, you get well, here? Well trust me, I'm from Alabama as well. I have traveled the world, and trust me, they think we're Gomer Powell <laughs> and Dukes a hazard. That's what that's what people really think. It was like, really? Y'all free down there? I'm like, I done heard some crazy stuff like being up north, especially in Chicago. I don't know why folks like that. But let's switch gears a little bit. Sure. Um you are now working for a a a company providing Uh, capital to Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Tell us about that a little bit.
0: Sure. So ACE is an organization. um, We are a mission driven organization, nonprofit. ACE stands for Access to Capital for Entrepreneurs. Okay. And um, we've been around for almost 20 years. And I say that we give folks a chance um, when others can't or won't. And what that basically means is a lot of times we are what we call a, a CDFI, Community Development Finance Institution. And we help Business, small businesses to get the loan capital they need to grow. Okay. Um, we, we can basically help them with uh, startup capital, things to purchase equipment, whatever it may be, anywhere from 15000 up to a $1 million in loan capital. And we, have, we can lend to anyone. Okay. But we actually have a focus by being a CDFI on um, women, people of color, and low to moderate income.
1: Now, explain that for our audience. What is a CDFI? Because a lot of people probably don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. So community development a loan fund, basically, is what it is. And we have different standards that we can work by than a traditional banking institution. We're going to look at your cash flow, your collateral, and your credit. But at a bank, you might go to them, and they need you to have a, I don't know, 750, 800 credit score for a loan. Okay. And for us, we can do 600 Okay. So we have some, some differentiated standards, and we try to look at the whole person, right, okay. and understand. As an example, one of our loan clients had a bankruptcy maybe 10, 15 years ago. She could okay. explain what it was for, but when she went to her bank, she couldn't get a loan, so she couldn't get started. to to be able to have 365 one day year in, right, to have that that birthday or that anniversary on her business. She was able to come to us. We were able to give her the loan. Um, That helped her to to stop taking out what we call predatory lending loans Mm -hmm. online where she was paying double-digit, like 20-plus percent and her loan obligations when she was in that loan was like $5,000 a month. Okay. We were able to take her out of that, put her into something lower where she had actually like $1,000 of a loan payment, right. right? So so that is significant. When you're talking about how do I keep my business capitalized and how do I stay in business longer, right? How do I get out of that that first that first year if I have more funds to invest back into the business, to buy more inventory, hire more staff. That's a better use of your money. Than just paying a, a debt obligation. So we're because we have these relationships, um, sometimes with banks, and they're trying to meet what they call CRA um, Credit Reinvestment Act type of um, credit around that. Mm-hmm. They give us what we call low um, low interest patient capital. So we borrow at a low interest rate, and then we lend that out. Wow! But we can do it at low rates.
1: Now, a lot of people, especially because uh, we we have a huge entrepreneurial following and and business owner following. A lot of people, because what I'm starting to see, that once you hit that first year and you actually got the paperwork in there and folks can see Mm -hmm. that y'all have been in business uh, for a whole year, you you made the mention of predatory lending. I get calls, like, literally every day. I can give y'all a million dollars and all this type of stuff for 34%. (laughs) So... Explain to some people about predatory lending and, and some of the things to, to kind of look for because, you know, there's a lot of different advice out here for entrepreneurs when you start talking about finances. Like, well, if the loan's less than the credit card rate, then it might be a, a good deal if it gets you the money that you need and this type of stuff. So kind of give folks some, some advice about that predatory lending because I think they're really hurting business right now with that.
0: They are, they are. And a lot of people I hear say they have to because they're trying to make payroll. And you understand that as a business owner, especially if you have staff, that you want to make sure you can at least cover them if you don't take a salary yourself. Mm-hmm. But I would say if you're in that situation and you've got a viable business model, you've been in business for a while, you know, definitely go to AceLoans.org, look us up, and um, just talk to one of our lending officers because we are here to try to really help people. We want to create what we call sustainable businesses. We want you to be around for a long time and. We don't provide just capital, but we also provide coaching and connections. So we have a women's business center located in Norcross. We have three offices, one up in the mountains in Cleveland, Georgia, one here in Atlanta at the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And we want you to, if you come to us and we can see that, you know what, after evaluating you, you're probably not ready, we'll send you to our women's business center. If your credit score is not where it needs to be, we'll send you to our women's business center. And they have a lot of different resources and connections within the industry to try to help you get to where you need to be. And then three, four months later... You can come back to us, um, but if you are in that situation, um, I would just try to figure out how the best way you can try to pay down that loan, or even come to Ace and see if we can help take you out of that loan with a lower rate loan. You know what I mean?
1: Okay. Now, um, wow, that's that's such great information because <laughs> I think no, I I I, I think. It's, it's such a big thing nowadays having access to capital for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs because a lot of businesses, the, the way their models are set up, sometimes you don't make that money in time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was a lot of times in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Our employees went home with nice-sized checks. I went home with nothing. Brian went home with nothing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's that's just what you do as a business owner. So what are some of those some of those things when you're starting to see, hey, this is a viable business, this is working for us, is it worth it for me to go $100,000 in debt? to try to sustain this, like what are some of the things that as a business owner we should be looking for to say, okay, it's time to go to go get some money so we can ramp this thing up and, and, and grow?
0: Yeah, so every business is different. You may be offering a product or service. So you have to be able to evaluate your own business for its for its fundamentals. But obviously if your customer base is growing, okay. if you are tracking and you see that, all right, well we we have an increase in Um, Our revenue and our overall profit, then maybe there's an opportunity. And you have to set set some goals for yourself, right? Like, what are the parameters you're gonna put in place? How much money are you going to put? Like, how much equity? How much skin in the game are you gonna put from your own savings if you have that? If you've reached that point where you say, all right, now my business is starting to grow and I'm, I'm coming out of startup phase into more of a, a, a steady state or I'm in growth, we're really probably in growth stage and I need money to capitalize the business and its growth, okay. then that's when you might need to get a loan. The biggest thing you have to look out for is not to get overcapitalized, right? But you also don't want to be undercapitalized, meaning if you really need $50,000, then getting a loan for twenty five might not get you to where you need to go. So you're just okay. probably hurting yourself because you're not going to you know, meet your needs. But if you only need fifty, then don't get a hundred thousand, right? I got you. Right. So don't have more, more because every month you've got to meet those debt obligations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the more money you're putting toward meeting debt obligations, it's just like a mortgage. Mm-hmm. All right. Some people are strapped because of their mortgage because it's so large. Now they don't have any other discretionary income for going out, hanging out, putting your kids in activities whatever I she it might was be just supposed to stay at
1: home watch TV okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah
0: but you know so but but being a has really we're talking about your purpose and passion earlier for me i think that uh, life is fluid right you've got to have focus but be fluid enough to deviate and shift okay. and pivot when you need to because as you said, right? You were you may be on a corporate track. There's a lot of people on a corporate track who want to figure out how to get off that corporate track. But you might be on a corporate track and just be enjoying everything that you're doing. But if something presents itself, don't be afraid to have that that faith. Have that faith over fear, and be ready to jump. Like take that leap of faith.
2: Was that was that what happened for you? So you coming off the New York Stock Exchange and like, okay, how did you decide? How did you end up at Ace? Like what did what was in it? What was in you that was like you know what? I want to do something else. I, you know, what, what was that?
0: Right. Oh, man, that was such a long... It was so many processes. So between the New York Stock Exchange, where I have a 20-year work history, and wow. ACE, um, I was at the exchange for... Five and a half years, I went to business school. I thought to myself, what I'm doing is really transactional. I'm seeing a lot of deals come to market. I'm seeing IPOs. I'm seeing companies do buybacks. So, a company does a buyback, that's a sort of signal to the market that they um, have a lot of confidence in their company. So, they think that it's going to go up. But I was seeing all these things happen, and I was saying, well, I'm not a part of that process of how these deals are coming to market. So, I wanted to go to business school to get the other side of the picture. I felt like I was missing one piece of it. I thought, I wanted to do more quantitative things. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends who were in investment banking where they were evaluating businesses that were doing mergers and acquisitions. Um, my boyfriend, now husband, was in that space, right? And I thought, man, you know, they're, doing, they're up all late at night. You know, <laughs> this must be interesting. It must be important work. But I had to realize that the work that I was doing, this is sometimes too about the grass is not always greener on the other side, looking at what other people are doing, because what I was doing was action-packed all day. Okay. Um, every second count and then my day ended, you know, market closed at 4.30, boom, done. But then they were doing stuff that was having them at work for eight, you know, minimum 80 hours, 100-hour work weeks, right? Okay. So 10 p.m. conference calls, midnight. I decided to go to business school, and I thought I was going to do that. And I did it for one summer, and in, you have two years of business school, so that summer in between I did an internship, and I thought – are you serious? Like, I mean, I, it's 10 o'clock at night, and I realized that the personality that I had, similar to you, Kevin, is I like to talk to people. I like to, be, to engage and be interactive. And so it didn't suit me because I was good at the numbers. I got the offer at the end of the summer. Right? I did everything I was supposed to do, but I knew in my heart, it's like three weeks into that internship that I did not desire to do that. So even though it was like probably taboo in business school to turn down the offer, I was like, I don't want to do this. So I turned that wow. offer down, and I tried to parlay it into the next role with the same company and say, hey, I do like trying to figure out how to create generational wealth.
3: Mm. Okay.
0: And so how can I get into the private wealth management space? Mm. Um, so my next job out of business school was working for U.S. Trust, private wealth management. Now, 2008 is when I came out of school. Market was falling out of bed. So yeah. it wasn't the best time to go into private wealth management and talk to people about how I could help them you know, increase their wealth and their, everything else in the market was down exactly. 40%. So, <laughs> I lost on my wealth. No. <laughs> so, right? so, yeah, so I dealt with a lot of people um, screaming, upset, mm. but the NYSE prepared me for that because that was all day, every mm. day, right? There was, it was an interesting. The, the environment was a lot of um, sometimes foul language, okay. right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, aggressive talk and tone and dealing with that. So, when I got to that stage, it was, it was talking to these people and saying, help me help you. You know, okay. this is what I'm going to need. You're in this crazy, you know, balloon mortgage and all of this stuff. We need to get some information from you to try to help it, help you and make it better. Um, from from going from U.S. Trust, I went through similar to you, a reorg. For the first time in my life, something happened that wasn't like, oh my gosh, like I got reorged. What <laughs> is this and that? But I remember walking away like you, Kevin, thinking, hmm, I'm good. I'm yep. going to be okay. Um, So that was the first time something had happened to me that was off my kind of path or whatever. And um, from there, I thought, I got business skills. How can I reinvent myself? At the time, Lehman went away. Bear Stearns went away. Again, the market was falling out of bed. So I networked very heavily, and there was an opportunity to go work with Kaplan Higher Education. Um, They were looking for someone with a business background to apply to their educational model, and this was their K-heck, like Kaplan capital, capital higher, higher education campuses, where people go back to school who have non-traditional backgrounds who are trying to get credentialed, hmm. and they're looking to figure out: Am I going to be a medical billing and coding, medical assistant, pharmacy tech? So I traveled as a resident consultant with them for about a year and a half. Every spent six weeks from you know campus to campus doing that type of job, learning basically about operational inefficiencies in businesses, hmm. and eventually. Um, someone walked out on a job and my regional vice president pulled me in to serve as interim ED of the campus. And then the following week, the um, director of finance walked out. So I basically in a period of three days, like over the weekend <laughs> to that Monday became an interim ED and an interim um, of director of finance of a campus. And then that gave me a, the experience that I can, you know, when I was, if I had to say it on the wall street track, There are certain, you're like, you're going to be an analyst, an associate, and a VP. Then eventually you become an MD on a 10-year track. But I got thrust very quickly into running a $10 million organization and managing a staff of 51 people and a campus of 500. Wasn't anything I ever imagined for my life. But it became the building blocks for where I am now because I said to myself, wow, these are people who really need to figure out how to get their life on track and actually create a better trajectory for their life. Um, And that resonated with me being from Alabama. Fast forward, my husband finished business school. We went back to New York. And I was networking. Two months before we were going to move there, I was already on it, like, all right, I need to go up here and talk to (laughs) people. (laughs) And I ran into a woman who worked for SEO. And I ended up, she left the organization about a month later, and I ended up getting that position. Wow. Um, and so I, I was dir- their director of alternative investments. So then it, it came to me um, doing access and opportunity, working with individuals, really helping the organization to help me get my foot in the door to Wall Street to help other individuals to figure out how they could sharpen their skills and their knowledge around how to get into even a higher level of finance, which is private equity. And I wow. ran an investment, uh, a fellowship program Uh, for first and second year investment banking analysts, helping them to figure out how to more effectively compete. And then I ran five conferences in New York with allocators of capital, such as your public pensions and your foundations and endowments, bringing them together to create these symbiotic relationships with um, emerging managers. So minority women business enterprises, folks who were trying to go out and raise a fund. Um, They would try to go out and raise $100 million dollars. And they wow. needed to figure out how to get capital.
1: You are so just. You want to work for us? You
0: come work for <laughs> Hey, if people say I can't you pay lo, you a million dollars a year, like, lady 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 like, like hey, you need to come, come with work. Come uh, work <laughs> in our development. You're gonna be our the uh, notice. Purpose and passion. So, um, yeah. I, when I walked away from from Wall Street, I pretty much walked away. Um, and you don't have to, but you know, my boss said you don't have to do this. You could you could be a regional, You could do you know so many things. And I walked away. People people I was in business school with were trying to get to salaries that I had. Mm-hmm. Three years out of school, and so for me, I understood that. Again, coming from Alabama, my lens was different, so I wasn't driven by the money. Right, it's always great to make money and be. um, You know, my mom went through bankruptcy, so I understand the importance of having stability. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually kind of conservative in that way. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm at a nonprofit. I've been a nonprofit now for like seven years. No, you know, it's, it's so no amazing. no longer getting bonuses. <laughs> but, but, it's, it's, but, no, it's
1: amazing that you say that because one thing that I did notice, and we're and we were fastly approaching the break, but one thing I did notice about us and, and Influencer365 and really my own life and a lot of stuff that I've been going through, when I stopped focusing on the money, mm. the money came. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I started focusing on the passion, the love of what I do, the money started to come, like the money rolling in now. But back when I was out here, I was like, I got to get this money, I got to get this money, mm-hmm. I got to pay my bills and all this type of stuff, then – it was it was just so hard to get paying customers, good accounts, and, and all this type of stuff. Now, real quick, because we gotta go into a break in mm-hmm. like two minutes. But what's next? What 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 what's what's next on the plate? Because it's like I don't know if you're gonna run for president. I don't know what know. you're gonna do. It's just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just...
0: So so for for me, what's next is really because of my story coming out, um, and I that purpose and passion is really important to me all throughout my career in the twenty years. I have all these stories of how I shifted and I recalibrated and I was pivoting. Um, and I think that there is there is an opportunity for me to talk to folks about how I was able to do that. So it's less about the what of what I did. It was how I was able to do it. Okay. Um, so talking about that, um, speaking a bit more, I'm going to be speaking with... Um, on a few different platforms in the next couple of weeks. And then, Don't you know, put it out there. Where you going to yeah. be at? Come on, tell yeah, folks. This your time it. to shine. Let's go until you hear that music. Well, listen, <laughs> I, I, I got actually by asked by a, a, a politician to go speak on behalf of what Ace does um, at okay. the Capitol about what we do. And then um, I'm going to be speaking uh, with, um, I guess it's like a mompreneur type event, uh, okay. talking to them about uh, money matters in business. So I'll be doing that. And then I'm working on a, a book. And I'm slowly you're finally really working on the book. working. I'm so glad with you're with working with with on that book. <laughs> like, to you cannot waste this story. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm doing that, and I'm really excited about that. So a lot more to come. That is so. Hopefully, I can come back and talk about it later. Oh, yes, oh,
1: absolutely. definitely. Mm-hmm. Anytime you want to, just not in the next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you thank you so out. much for for, for uh, coming and sharing your story and, and, and talking to our audience today. I know it's, it's well-receiving. I know everyone appreciates you being here.
3: Definitely.
2: So if people want to, like, keep up with you, follow your journey and all this other stuff, and I'm pretty sure you're out there dropping gems on social. So, like, where can people follow you?
0: Absolutely. So people can uh, check me always on LinkedIn. You can check me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Martina M. Edwards, as well as Twitter.
1: In that in that column coming up on the Atlanta Business Journal Win. Sorry, there. Yeah, it's already there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's already it's already
0: there. Exactly. You can go check it out, the Bella Wall Street.
1: There you go. Thank y'all so much. Y'all have been listening to uh, Miss Martina Edwards. You're here with Influencer Radio, Kevin C. Pride and Brian Brown. We're heading to break and we're coming right back with ABJ hot topics.
2: Premium liquor. A real taste of the Eat. islands. Remember to shake, shake sip, sip, and say, Ooh-wee. Real rums. Real fruits. Real spices. Really smooth. Be sure to check out our website at www.CaribbeanSmooth.com. CaribbeanSmooth.com. There's a lot going on in the world. And your world is always changing. That's why it's important to stay connected. The latest news. The latest entertainment. The newest music. If it's in the air or on the air, it can be in the palm of your hand, wherever you are, with the iHeartRadio app
0: iHeartRadio. Over
2: 1,500 live radio stations from across the country, and over 15 million songs to create your own custom stations. Mm-hmm. Text iHR to 45495 to download the app or listen at iHeartRadio.com. Standard text and data rates apply.
1: Hey, did you know the real 1100 AM is
2: now on Facebook?
1: Man, that's right. You can catch all your favorite shows on the real 1100 WWE Facebook page. It's real, y'all. Attention, radio
3: station listener. This might make you say, Oh, Get this station in 1500 live stations plus a custom station
2: you can create all in one right now. Download the free app now at iHeartRadio.com. Oh,
0: You're listening to The Real 1100 AM, Atlanta's Real Sports and Entertainment Talk Radio.
1: It's 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 You, You are back. Ladies and gentlemen, you are right here with Influencer Radio with Brian Brown and Kevin C. Pride, your host,
2: ABJ Hot Topics. A lot of things on going week? on in the news. Uh, the Beltline is expanding again, y'all. Uh, the Atlanta Beltline is pleased to announce that the funding has been identified and will allow for construction of uh, .75 miles, a segment of paved uh, south, south on the South Side Trail. So this is gonna start around University Avenue and just go west of the I seventy five eighty five overpass. So um, near, I mean, going towards uh, Pittsburgh Yards and stuff like that over there. So um, you know, this this Beltline Trail is a huge economic driver. You know, you got businesses popping up on the Beltline. They're about to do a festival and actually an art festival over Jobs. there. Yeah, jobs, and so jobs. everybody, <laughs> every every economic development meeting we go to, they always talking about the Beltline. They yeah. they 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 down in Augusta trying to figure out how we gonna get connected to the Beltline. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. So, um, so, but no,
1: it, it looks like it's gonna be a great project, and it looks like it's gonna do a lot for the city of Atlanta. And uh, it looks like we're gonna be ready to see this sometime around twenty twenty.
2: Yeah, so it's, it's it's a quick quick thing, but it, it is a huge economic driver, and. Um, you know, with um, everything going on in the Beltline, it's definitely a cool thing. You, have you ever been on there? It's a lot of funky shops over there.
1: I've never been on the Beltline. Uh-huh. It's like, I hear folks talk about it all the time. It's like,
2: I don't know what y'all talking about. I feel
1: bad because I've been in Atlanta for over 15 years now. But <laughs> <laughs> They got some but, cool eateries over there. I'm going to go over there. Yo, today. Today? <laughs> no, no. But... <laughs> But now we got to go check out the Beltline in 2020 when it is completed and finished. <laughs> <laughs> you can wait till it comes to the cell. So. I know, right? <laughs>
2: uh, also on the news, uh, Georgia State College of Law to offer a course on ludicrous.
1: Now, I I saw that headline, too, and I was like, I got to read this story. Hold on. Why are we doing a, a course on Ludacris? Yeah. What is this about? So,
2: basically, uh, Georgia State University, the College of Law, is introducing a new entertainment, sports, and media law certificate to prepare students to practice in uh, the growing entertainment industry. And this course is actually going to be uh, run by a... Um, uh, a personality herself, entertainment person, uh, Mo Ivory, who's, you know, I think she's still on the radio, been on the radio for a long time here in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, just been everywhere. So uh, they're going to be pretty much, um, you know, helping students. And in, in this class, they're going to be talking about uh, basically the, uh, the legal life of Ludacris. And the okay. class is already full, of course. And the, uh, it will guide students through the contracts that have shaped the Atlanta-based rapper, actor, entrepreneur's so- career.
1: So so, please explain this to me, because don't get me wrong. I know we the entertainment capital of the South. I yeah. know we got sports, we got entertainment, and all that type of stuff. But you're going to get a degree in ludicrous? Is it going to be like a ludicrous PhD? What is that going to be? I mean, really?
2: No, but it's, it's it's just giving people another way. So It's, it's like it's, an elective? It is an elective, okay. um, but it's it's part of the, the business law. So basically, these people are going to, to learn business law, and it's just it's a course they can learn. But they're learning about all the contracts. So basically, if you got a client that come in it's about the contracts and the deals that have led to his success. Okay. He went from being a radio personality to being mm-hmm. in billion dollar movies. Oh yeah. Films. Right? So what how so how can you as a as a lawyer do that same thing for your clients.
1: So it's not really about ludicrous. It's more about copyrights and trademarks and licensing and these type of deals. It's not. They're just using him as the example of somebody that's done this type of stuff. Oh, are we really talking about Chris Love Love? I
2: mean, really? I somebody, <laughs> are you are you on the low hating on, on ludicrous? On the low, I don't like. <laughs> Okay, i got to be honest with y'all. I've never,
1: you know, I like Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, I have never really been a, I like him in the movies. Let's okay. say that. Okay. Let's, I try to stay positive with everybody.
2: Ludacris, if you out there, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, shout out to Ludacris. The fact I think this would be a good pro, a good class. Um, I wish I remember my taking taking business law in school. I wish that would have been a, a a course. I would have enjoyed it much more.
1: You know, they got a course on Tupac. Oh, Okay.
2: Like some uh, a lot of these. No, seriously. Uh,
1: I don't know which college it is. I think it's up in New York. But really, they have like some hip hop studies type courses. Mm-hmm. They got a course on Tupac. You can go take a a, a get a degree in Tupacology. I
2: guess I don't know, but okay. Yeah. All right, get that thug life on. There you go. (laughs) Social justice, there you go. (laughs) Uh, Also in the news, uh, over the weekend, they had the Fortnite uh, Championships, and a 16-year-old from Pennsylvania took home one of the largest payouts for a single player in an eSport tournament of $3 million at the age of 16. I hope my daughter's not listening, because I didn't tell her about these video games.
1: (laughs) But And she's talking about Well daddy I'm gonna be i am e, uh, I'm gonna be a, a, a e. sports person And all this type of stuff But people don't realize dude When you get on these teams When It's one thing to sit there And play Madden Okay And it's fun But it's a whole nother one When you sit them here Competing at that type of level And you dealing with These type of people That's Just oh dude This is all I do And they and you and them Type of competition That's that's serious dude I tried to get online With Grand yeah. Theft Auto And got shot like 15
2: times in 5 <laughs> minutes Like serious
1: <laughs> They take that stuff Seriously these it, days It
2: is it, 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 this serious business. I remember playing Madden online, and uh, it, it it didn't go pretty well. I was I tapped out in about five minutes. So I'm trying to tell you, uh, but but hey, but these kids like take
1: Mobile. Y'all remember <laughs> take Mobile? ball? You can run back. Man. All you had to do is run from one Is to the other, just throw the ball touchdown. Man. <laughs> Man. Throw the damn rice. <laughs>
2: No, nah, man, but uh, these kids make a lot of money, and the things about yeah. they're like they're like a NASCAR teams man. They got sponsors. Um, I think uh, who was it was was it Rick Fox that had one? Rick Fox sponsored the esports team. Man, yeah. this is a this is like it's, the it's new, getting big for real. Yeah, the yeah. big thing. So you be sixteen and play video games and take home three million dollars. I think that's a fair fair trade off.
1: I, I, I definitely think it is. It's it's, it's 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 one of those type things, man. It's like we in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's so funny. It's like growing up and when we was younger and all this type of stuff, oh, that's a waste of time, that's a waste of time. Well, this kid just made $3 million, okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Atari wasn't a waste of time. No, but seriously, we're we living in the future. I mean, look at the jobs of the day versus, you know, back then. You can you can play professional video games now. You can be a professional social media analyst and this type of stuff. Whoever thought, you know, even with us, as much as we, we – we, the customers that we deal with for social media and this type of stuff, whoever thought this would really be a, a job in a viable way? Mm-hmm. But now it's like the top form of marketing. Mm-hmm. I
2: mean It's its its amazing. Yeah, I even, love it. They didn't even teach what we did in school. I know, right? I didn't learn this. I learned this on my own. <laughs> 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 oh, we also got an update on Equifax. Kevin got an update.
1: Yes. You will not get $20,000 from Equifax. <laughs> You'll get a check for $125. <laughs> Because they sent me my check for $125. That's all you going to get. But I'm going out to eat. And I'm going to get me a filet mignon. <laughs> How we say it? A filet mignon. <laughs> and get some whores divorce. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm going to get me a filet off of Equifax. Thank y'all so much for ruining my credit over nothing. Okay? I know y'all heard us last week. Equifax, listen. <laughs> I
2: know. You got to <laughs> real quick. They ain't even not you know letters or I know, right? They must
1: be listening because the, the email came to me. For real. It was like... You're owed $125 because of this lawsuit. Your information was exposed. I was like, what? Okay. I want 20, though. But <laughs> uh, it's getting close to that time. So I, will, I I definitely want to thank our audience for sticking with us. I want to thank our guest, Miss Martina Edwards, for being here today. We had a historical figure. today. going to be like a historical episode. Absolutely. Okay? Ever in history. Like 20 years from now, we're going to be able to send this to school. Like, listen to this. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned with us. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we are be on World Star Hit Radio this Thursday. We are back on World Star Hit Radio. Uh, so stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us online. Uh, if you have not connected with us, it's Influencer365 on Facebook at 365 Influencer on Instagram. Whoever it is on Instagram, we got influencer365. You need to call me today. Me and you need to work something out because I want my name back. Okay. But (laughs) stay tuned right here on The Real 1100 uh, AM. We will be back next week with another another illustrious guest uh, right here, Monday, 6 p.m. Yeah, and uh, again,
2: you like us, tell people, subscribe, download the podcast. Like, comment, and share, okay? Absolutely. We are out. Most dangerous business show on the air.